Welcome to the MA Roadshow, episode number 246 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me. That is because he is, uh, well, I don't know what he's doing. I think he's kind of enjoying himself this this uh, afternoon. And I say afternoon because it is Sunday afternoon, December 15th. Normally I like to do these things in the, the wee hours of the morning, kind of jumping on the instant reaction bandwagon and kind of reacting with the, the first things that come to mind and that feeling still fresh in the mind. But I got to be honest with you, late last night, I was exhausted, man. It was a long, long day covering UFC 245 and, um, you know, got there about about uh, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Doors open at 2.15, so got there about 1 o'clock in the afternoon uh, down there, parked at the New York New York garage, walked down to T-Mobile Arena, hung out in, hung out in the, uh, the line for the media to get in, and then, of course, doors open at 2.15. First fight at 3.15, and then we went all the way through the night. I think by the time we left out of the – Media tent afterwards. It was 1.30 in the morning. I had a little bit more work to do after that. So it was just a long day. And, and I'm saying that all not to complain because I have the greatest job on earth. Uh, but to say that, uh, I, you know, I, I think if you tuned in for the main card only of this card, you might have been a little bit fatigued. Uh, I, I did talk to some people that watched it on TV afterwards. Um, and I will say, even uh, my my uh, my wife was in the crowd as well, and she said, "Man, I, I loved it. It was a great night. Just felt the fights, you know, kind of were slow paced at the end." Um, and and I know she didn't show up for the whole card. I know she had some other activities in the afternoon. I talked to some people on that watched it on TV that only watched the main card as well, and and I agree. You know, you just had a lot of fighting, right? I mean, you you do you did have two finishes on the main card, but they were in the final round, and then of course those three title fights. You know, I thought each of those title fights had their own merit, and we'll definitely get into that. Um, but, you know, when you're fighting a full five rounds uh, for the first two and almost a full five rounds for the third, uh, it, it just ends up making for, you know, kind of a long night. And then, of course, they got the promos to run in between and commercials and, um, you know, all the stuff they're running. And it just it, it seemed like kind of a slow pace. Now, the card as a whole I thought was fantastic, man. It started out with a bang with Puna Soriano and that brutal knockout of Oscar Piojota. Um, Puna making a, a, a incredible UFC debut, of course, the Contender Series product, and uh, trains out here in Las Vegas at Extreme Couture. So a guy that we were real familiar with out here in the Las Vegas area. So it started great, and then there were a bunch of good fights, and we'll talk about some of them uh, as we go. But, uh, you know, then it got into the main card, and, and I, again, I thought the main card was fun. I enjoyed it, but I can understand from a casual fan's perspective or just somebody that's, you know, uh, maybe worked a long day or had been hanging out all day. It just It ended up being a stretch. But st- still, some very, very important results on the way. And uh, none bigger, of course, than Kamaru Usman picking up the fifth-round TKO finish of Colby Covington. The grudge match uh, settled, and uh, Usman retains his undisputed welterweight title. To me, I thought this was a great fight. Um, I, I, you know, I was I was talking to some people next to me on press row that were actually a little bit disappointed, and I kind of understand it to a degree. You know, these guys, what they're best known for is. They're grappling. You know, these are two elite-level wrestlers, and we didn't see a single takedown at all. And so from that perspective, I can understand the point that was being made uh, by the gentleman that was seated next to me on press row. It was like, man, I, I just, you know, that's what they do best, and they didn't do it. And I can understand that. I can understand the disappointment of that. You know, if that was the anticipation of what you really wanted to see, I, I completely get why you would think, man, we, we got robbed a little bit of seeing these guys at their absolute best. But I didn't feel that way. And and I think a lot of it, um, it is just because, to me, there was such tension in this fight. I mean, we understand that Colby Covington has basically been playing a character all along. You know, to, to, you know take that however you will. Um, you know, he says it's just him turned up to 11. And I agree to a, to a point, but I think he's definitely crossed some lines along the way. And I think... Um, you know, this was just a this was a heated rivalry. It really, really was. And of course, for me, beyond it just being a heated rivalry, I mean, this is two incredibly great martial artists. And they went out there, and and could we have maybe seen a more well-rounded approach by either one of them? Maybe, maybe that may, maybe that would have made for a, you know a little bit more uh, quality display of martial arts. But 
I don't know, man. There was something special to me about these two guys just biting down on the mouthpiece and, and throwing down. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like it was sloppy or, or unrefined. I mean, this is not old school mixed martial arts where the wrestlers have no idea what they're doing on the feet. To me, it was still incredibly intriguing. You know, Colby Covington's volume is it remains impressive, and and meanwhile, Usman's power was there. I mean, it was it was it was evident between the two which one was more powerful. And uh, I I had the fight three rounds to one for Usman going into the fifth and final round. So for me, um, you know, he just had to hang on and 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 win. And and that's the way it worked. Would have worked out on the uh, the judges' cards as well. Um, eventually I should say now if you if you heard the story uh, or, or saw it because um, I think they mentioned on the broadcast was where it was first mentioned but um, the, the scorecards did make their way around and it was it was the 3-1 Kamaru Usman on one card uh, that was the Derek Cleary card I believe that's exactly how I scored it round one to Covington round two through four to Usman um, then you had it as well 2-2 and then you had it uh, uh, 3-1 the other way, Colby Covington. Now, and this is why that fifth round was so dramatic. Because it did start out as a Colby Covington round. Um, Covington did finally look to me to be fading a little bit, as did Usman. And, and rightfully so, man. The pace was just relentless. It was insane. And Colby Covington came out and uh, started the fifth round very well and, and was winning that round. But Usman turn the tide late in, in, in the round. And I think had it gone all the way to the end, uh, you know, I, I think that Usman had that round in the bag. 50 seconds left. I mean, if it doesn't stop, I think Usman has that round in the bag. And if that's the case, he wins the split decision. 4-1, 3-2, 2-3. Now, had he not had that fifth round, uh, you know, grit, that fifth round comeback, then, yeah, Colby Covington started out winning that round. And in that case... If it goes all the way to the judge's decision with Colby Covington, you know, doing what he did to start that round, then he wins the split decision, four one, three two, and uh, what two two three. So, I you know I the stoppage to me, if if you want to say it was controversial, that's okay. But please remember when you're arguing that it probably didn't change the result of the fight, unless you think. Covington was mounting a, a dramatic comeback from off of the ground with 50 seconds remaining. If he was going to move from that turtle position and, and and come back and do something, you know, a knockout, a submission, or something to steal that round back in his favor, then the stoppage being controversial really doesn't matter. So if you're going to have that argument, just remember what you're arguing. You're, you're not arguing that you're going to change the result of the fight. So for me it becomes less of a topic of discussion, less a point to even contend with. Um, I didn't hate the stoppage. I, I, I could understand letting it go on maybe a little bit longer, but I do believe Mark Goddard is a fantastic official, and, and I trust in his decision-making. Um, he, of course, has the best seat in the house, and um, you know Covington was was hurting very badly at that point. Kamaru Usman had, had turned it up, and he wins the fight. So... Uh, it turns out that Covington's jaw was broken. Of course, if, if you watch the broadcast, you heard it on the broadcast. Then afterwards, we had some conflicting reports. Dana White comes to the press conference. He says, hey, yep, absolutely, the, the, the jaw was broken. Then immediately uh, after the press conference is over, a USC official says, listen, we just got an update from the doctors. There was no break. And it's funny because at this point, um, the UFC team is like, hey, listen, uh, we're out. You guys have this venue, uh, the, the the tent. At T-Mobile Arena, there's a big tent. There's no place for the media, so there's a big tent outside. Um, and, and so, the, you know, they said, listen, here's an update. There is no break. Uh, all right, is everybody good? Anybody else need anything else? No, you're good? All right, fine. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful holiday season. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next year. You guys have this uh, tent until 1.30 a.m., and then they'll start breaking down, and we'll uh, we'll see you later. At that point, the PR team all leaves, and, uh, you know, we continue working in, in our spots. And then all of a sudden, a PR member comes back, and this is a few minutes later, uh, out of breath, uh, has been sprinting back to the media tent, uh, to give us an update, I'm so sorry, and, and again, out of breath, I said, first things first, I'm going to be working out a lot more on the treadmill because I ran and I am exhausted now, uh, but uh, no, there was a break uh, on uh, Colby Covington's jaw, and so 
there was some conflicting reports. So if you saw, you know, different things going back and forth on on the results, that's why because we were getting conflicting results um, in in the media tent, and that was coming directly from USC officials. But the final word was. Uh, Following an, an addendum medical report completed regarding Colby Covington, it has been determined that he has suffered a non-displaced midline mandible fracture. Now, I am uh, not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination, but the mandible, of course, would be the jawbone. Um, and I would imagine the non-displaced refers to the fact that there was a crack that didn't shift, um, hence maybe why there wasn't as much visual damage that we could see or, or that you could, you could pick up on. Um, and I imagine that's probably actually a better thing for him, too, in terms of healing. I guess it, maybe if it's non-displaced, you don't have to get screws or, or anything to, to hold it back in place. So I imagine that's better for him. Um, although, I do always hear when you break a bone and they put like a metal plate on it to keep it together, you can't ever break it there again. I, I would think a jaw would be a pretty pretty solid place to, uh, to have that. I know there's a couple fighters that have done that over the years. So anyway... I, 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 I'm just going down that road because I want to say, listen, I think Colby Covington deserves some credit. I, I do. Um, you know, I know that it's easy to pile on and say to hell with that guy, and I and and I don't blame you. That some of the things he did along the way, we've talked about it, were indefensible. Uh, they were just absolutely indefensible. You know, his um, attack on, on Glenn Robinson, um, and, and and you know, saying that he was going to be watching the fight from hell. I mean, come on, man. You know, we saw the way that impacted his family, his, his surviving daughters. That's not cool. It's not cool at all. You know, the, the, the stuff of spoiling movies and stuff like that, eh, it's pretty shitty. <laughs> it's pretty shitty, I'll be honest with you. I know there's people that are huge fans of that stuff and can't wait, and that's their entertainment choice, and, you know, I, but but whatever. That doesn't, to me, that's not indefensible. Um, you know, the, but he has crossed the line, and the fact that, you know, he developed all these rifts in his own camp at American Top Team. I mean, that's that's rough. But, listen, how, how long have, have – I mean, I have been seeing the praises of Colby Covington from the time he first came into the UFC, and, and I have been impressed by his skills. And he had to – I mean, he didn't get any attention, even though he had this incredible record. He got no attention until he started rubbing people the wrong way. And it sucks that that's what it took. Um, but, but, but it is what it took. <laughs> that is what it took. And it, and it got him here. And I, I hope in this fight, he displayed the skill, or at least people saw, cause I know he displayed it, that people saw the skill that he possesses and that he is a fantastic mixed martial artist. And that doesn't mean you have to be a fan. It doesn't mean you have to say, you know what? I was wrong about this Colby Covington character all along. He is my new favorite fighter. No. I'm not saying that, but I think people were so dismissive of who he was as a fighter, and I, and I just don't think you should do that because he certainly showed once again why he's so talented. Now, as far as what's going to happen moving forward, you know, I think a lot of us thought, hey, you know, he he got to this point, he had to use it, and he got to this point. Now, will he settle down a little bit? I don't know. I I don't know. In the heat of battle, he sprinted out of the cage. Um, by the way, nearly knocking over a couple people, not on purpose. Um, that's supposed to be a clear walkway anyway, um, but there were some people that kind of weren't paying attention as he was sprinting by, and, and he nearly ran over a couple people. Um, but he sprinted out of the cage, so no post-fight interview. Um, couldn't go to the press conference, of course, because he had to go get that jaw checked out. Um, so, you know, no no post-fight media from him. We did see him take to social media and blast Mark Goddard for the stoppage. Now, again... Remember, maybe it was controversial, but if you look at the scorecards and the way that fifth round was going, the stoppage to me is is kind of a non-issue. I don't think anything was happening in that last 50 seconds. I get it. MMA is the most unpredictable sport on the planet. Anything can happen. That's why we love it. But I don't think anything was happening in that last 50 seconds. Um, and he did you know, blast the, the fouls that were called, fouls that weren't called. So at least in the immediate aftermath, it looks like Colby Covington is still going to be this harsh, uh, you know, difficult-to-deal-with kind of person. I, I kind of hope that's not the case. I, you know, I'm not saying he's got to come back and be a, a Boy Scout, um, but I, I hope that you know, getting to the mountaintop and coming up just short. I mean, it was a great fight. Maybe these guys can run it back at some point. He pushed Usman to the limit. If Usman uh, continues to have a, a dominant run, if he knocks off a couple top contenders, uh, and, and, and Colby does the same, I don't see why you couldn't run this back at some point. Um, 
And I don't think you have to keep up the the, the persona of being the most hated guy on the planet in the meantime. Um, there still is the Covington-Masvidal fight that might make some sense. Maybe not since Covington lost, but if something happens to Masvidal and he loses – um, and, and, and he's, you know, he's looking for a fight. You know, the, the, the former roommates turned enemies, you know, training partners that uh, now think horrible about each other. There's something to that. And, of course, it's just an interesting stylistic matchup. So there's there's big fights available for Kobe Covington, and I, I think he could challenge for a title again at some point as well. So um, it'll just be interesting to see how he handles himself at this point. I mean, he is 31 years old. He mentioned going to the WWE. You know, I don't know how much money he put in the bank for this, but – um, I'm sure a couple more paydays wouldn't hurt along the way. So, uh, but listen, I I, uh, I just hope there's a little bit of a change in the discussion of, of Colby Covington. Maybe not in defense of his antics. Again, you don't have to come out and defend what he does uh, outside the cage. But I think there should be some recognition of who he is as a martial artist. And um, I thought uh, UFC President Dana White summed it up pretty well. Actually, I, I asked him about that in the post-fight press conference, and here's what he had to say. Well, Dana, uh, you mentioned the Colby Covington broken jaw there. We were wondering about that. I mean, listen, I know you're not a fan of that guy or haven't necessarily gotten along with him, I die, but did he, did he show the world something tonight? 100%. I mean, going into this fight yesterday, I was doing interviews, and I told everybody, man, I said, listen, don't let all the bullshit and stupid talk overshadow the fact that this kid is, is tough, talented, and stylistically this fight is unbelievable. Um, if you look at the stats, they line up perfectly. And uh, the question was Covington's cardio. And, you know, he has unstoppable cardio. Could Usman keep up with that? And how would Covington deal with the power of Usman? Only one way to find out, and now, now we know. All right, so that is Dana's thoughts on Colby Covington. And I, I, I tend to agree with him. Uh, you don't have to love the guy at this point, but I do think there needs to be at least a small amount of respect for who he is as a martial artist, and, and I think that clouded people's judgments uh, along the way. All right, now, let's turn our attention to the man that won the fight, Kamaru Usman. Uh, man, just, I, again, I thought this was a great performance. Uh, you know, I thought there were some ebbs and flows to the fight. Again, I, I like this fight. You know, is it one that, you know, I'm putting up there in, in, in terms of all-time classics, and, man, we need to watch this one over and over and over? No, but I thought there was drama. I thought there was tension. I thought there was courage uh, in the ebbs and flows and, and how the things worked out. And Usman did what he said he was going to do. You know, he said, I'm going to, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that he, uh, you know, carried anything along the way. But he said, going in, look, I want to hurt this guy for four and a half rounds, and then I want to finish him. And, man, if that isn't exactly what he did, um, you know, he delivered on the promises. And, uh, you know, I thought Usman deserved a lot of credit for the buildup along the way. You know, he, he didn't let himself get sucked in. It certainly weighed heavy on him, the tension between these two, and just – you know, what was at stake? You know, Usman, I think Usman did respect Covington as a martial artist. He didn't overlook the skills that were there. And I think that's easy to do, to to just look at the character and not look at the fighter. And and I don't think Usman did that. You know, I, I think he knew the challenge that he was in for, and he delivered on it. And, um, man, the guy's just on a nice run right now. He really is. And he says, listen, I, I think I'm the best in the division for a reason. You know, I think my work ethic, my focus is, is there. And, uh, man, I, I thought this was a, a gutsy performance. You know, he comes out with the phenomenal performance over Tyron Woodley back in March. A lot of people want to say Tyron, you know, didn't didn't look that good. And, and maybe he had an off night. But, you know, and, and there's there's probably some fairness to that. But, I mean, now if, if you're talking about, you know, once Usman was competing with the elite level, you're talking about a dominant decision over Damian Maia, a dominant decision over Rafael Dos Anjos, a dominant decision over Tyron Woodley, and then a hard-fought, close fight, but got the finish against Colby Covington. So um, I, I know that it's 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 funny because Usman's had his his uh um you know critics along the way, and and, and a big portion of those came from, of course, after the win over Emil Mech. You know, he told me backstage, uh, you know, that was me at thirty percent, and and man, did people latch on to that comment. Uh, you know, and, and I don't think he meant it as he was making an excuse, but I, I understand what people are saying, like why why they didn't like it. But man, since then, I just I, I don't see how you can be critical of the way the guys handle himself. And I thought, you know, mentally he showed a lot of strength coming into this fight, dealing with all the buildup. Um, you know, the the uh, the the face offs that they had, the times that they interacted. You know, they they weren't. Uh, he just he didn't let Covington get in his head. 
and uh, and I think that was I think that was well done on his part. So uh, a big win for him defending his title. And now you kind of look at what's next. Um, you know, Dana White afterwards. I you know I asked him about the possibility of a Masvidal and Usman fight. Um, and, and he said, listen, I think that would be huge. I wasn't sure if the UFC was going to like that as much uh, just because, you know, the Masvidal-Covington angle for the belt would have been insane. I don't know if Masvidal-Usman is, and I did see that, that Abe Kawa, uh, Masvidal's manager, has already come out on social media and said, listen, we don't know if that's the biggest fight available right now uh, for us, you know, as, as Masvidal's team. So, you know, we'll see what's on the table. Does he want to sit and wait for for what happens with uh, with Cowboy and and Connor? I mean, probably not a bad idea. You're only talking about a month, and it's it's a month that's the holidays anyway. Why do you got to plan anything right now? Um, it looks like the UFC's got their main events all the way through the first part of April. So, sitting back and waiting a little bit and seeing if that that Conor McGregor fight is on the table after after the Cowboy fight, maybe not a bad idea. That that might be what they're referring to, um, but. Uh, Dana White did say clearly that he thought it was a, a, a good fight um, and, and, a, and a big potential fight. So it, it's at least on the table. Um, but I, I wanted you to hear from Kamar Usman as well because well-deserved. He, he should have his few minutes of shine as well. Here's uh, his discussion to me at the post-fight press conference and uh, his thoughts on the idea of a Mazidal matchup. He's, uh, I, I did ask him what, what his take on that was. Congratulations on a uh, obviously a very very big result for you tonight. I know you said that look he didn't get under your skin and it didn't bother you and that sort of thing, but this was a very kind of heated build up all all along. I wonder, you know, how much sweeter it is to be the the result over that guy or is it just the fact that you've got this title defense under your belt? Ah. Uh, what's up everybody? Thank you guys for being here. Um to answer your question, it was good to just, it's good to move past all of that. I'm going to be honest, uh, this was what kept me sane all six, seven months whenever this fight, I knew this fight was going to happen. This is what kept me sane is this moment right here after the fight. That's what I look forward to. This is the addictive moment. This is what keeps me doing this. Um, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot emotionally, uh, a lot that he said. Um, this one, like, and I meant it. This one's for the world. This one's for the people of Brazil. This one is for my former manager. This one is for my family. This one's for my man and my recent manager. This one is for everybody. And um, you know, when you push hate and you push separation, you know, love and unity does win sometimes. And tonight it won. Back and forth, ebbs and flows in this fight. The fifth round, he actually started out pretty well in that fifth round, and the scores were all over the place. I'm sure you've probably heard by now, 3-1 one way, 1-3 the other, 2-2. Two, two. So I'm just curious, because it seemed like something changed in that fifth round that you were able to snag momentum and then get the finish. Was there a you know a physical moment that you saw or a mental moment that you had that, that you said, I, I got to go? Um, you know, I try not to ever lose a round, which is why I've been dominant you know, since the beginning of my career. Um, I think um, in there, I, like I said, when I say I'm self-made, I mean my mind. No one, excuse me. No one has to. No one has to tell me what I need to do mentally. I do this for the sheer fact of, of, of me competing, and you know everyone. All since this fight got signed, all oh, this Kobe's gas tank has got a crazy gas tank, crazy gas tank. My motherfuckers, I got a gas tank too. What are y'all talking about? You know, and once we got in there, after that third round, I'm looking across. I'm not even, I'm, I'm barely breathing hard. And I'm like, where's this gas tank at? Everybody's talking about this gas tank. Where's this gas? I was actually waiting for him to wrestle. But I knew that he knew if he wrestled with me, he was going to gas out. And I was going to knock him out a lot quicker than that. Tyron Woodley has better accolades wrestling than he does. And you saw what happened in that fight. He knew he couldn't wrestle with me. And striking with me, and that was his best chance, and, you know, we saw what happened there. Probably no surprise. He didn't love the stoppage, but uh, I'm not anybody that loses. Oh, he didn't? He didn't. But what, what, did, what did you think? I mean, you're right there on top of it. Tell us what, what you saw and what you thought of the stoppage. Oh, he was leaking under there. He was, he was hurt bad. Um, you know, he was trying to hang on to a As a wrestler, if you're underneath someone, you want to hang on to a leg. 
and he wasn't even on a leg. That's why I was landing free shots to the, you know, right behind the ear. I was landing them. And, uh, you know, great stoppage by Mark Goddard. That's one of, why he's one of the best referees out there. You know, he, you know, he's there to protect you, even though you're dumb enough to not protect yourself. So. I know you're going to take some time and enjoy this moment for sure. This is a big result for you, but we always are looking to what's next. There's a guy in your division that's become a huge star this year in Masvidal. Um, do you think that's the name that, that makes sense for you most right now, or what do you see next for yourself? Who? Masvidal. Man, there's a lot of tough guys in the division. A lot, a lot of tough guys. I mean, let's be honest. You know, if you're talking about someone who's deserving, Leon Edwards hasn't lost since he, since he fought me. He's been finishing guys. And he's now found himself in the position that I found myself in over a little over a year ago. Is everyone knew that I was one of the toughest guys out there and they didn't want to gamble and take that risk on me. And so, you know, right now I'm sitting above looking at all these guys and they're kind of, you know, all in that pool, very tightly, you know, contested. So, you know, they just need to break out. And, uh, you know, I'm waiting for whoever Dana and the, and the organization feel is the next guy for me. And I'll be happy I never turned down a fight. You know, and especially now I'm the champion. And so if if they say this is the next guy, then hey, that's the next guy. But you know, I need to go home. I need to love on my daughter. You know, this this is taking a lot. You know, my family's been through a whole lot, and I've been through a lot mentally. You know, but of course, this is what champions do. We block it out, and we come out, and we perform. All right. So big things happen in that welterweight division, but the the grudge match is settled, at least for now. Co-main event: Alexander Volkanovski did. Pick up a hard-fought unanimous decision over Max Holloway. 48-47, 48-47, and 50-45. I saw scores all over the board. I did have it 48-47 um, for Alexander Volkanovsky. So, I, you know, I thought he executed enough to win this fight. Uh, I, you know, I saw I, – I did see, you know, while the 50-45 might sound a little outlandish, I did see some media scores of 50-45 uh, on, on Twitter as everybody was kind of – Posting what they had, um, I, I didn't have. I, I thought it was a little closer at 48-47, but I did not uh, think that uh, you know th there was controversy here. And I think uh, you know if you look at MMADecisions.com, which of course is a, a fantastic, fantastic website. I love uh, all the tracking that they do there. Uh, but it looks like every single scorecard uh, was turned in for Volkanovski. So Max Holloway said after the fight that he thought he had done enough to win. Um, and, and and he didn't get, uh, you know, destroyed by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought Alexander Volkanovsky went in there, executed the game plan very well. The leg kicks obviously ended up being a huge part of, of his offense. Um, and Max Holloway's uh, lead left leg was, was beat up pretty bad early on, man. You could see the kind of welts developing on it. And he switched to southpaw and, um, you know, had some success there. But I had, had the leg chewed up there as well. So, um Found it tough, and 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 you know, listen, punches as well. Volkanovski, big big hooks. You know, I think Max Holloway's uh, straight punches were a little bit faster at times, uh, but overall, you know, just a, a fantastic effort by Alexander Volkanovski. Stuck to the game plan the entire time, executed it. Um, and and listen, I've I've said all along, I've always been a big fan of, of Alexander Volkanovski as well, and his confidence and his self belief, and that is, you know, said it a million times. That is something you can't fake. Um, you can sense it when you're around people enough. You can you can sense people that uh, believe wholeheartedly, truly in themselves. Um, and and Volkanovski is one of those guys. And and by the way, for the record, if if you're just curious, I had one, three, and five for Volkanovski. Um, so to me, I I still had it up for grabs going to that fifth and final round. But Alexander Volkanovski, that gas tank is there. It's it's problematic. You know, the wrestling. Max Holloway proved. Um, you know, defensively, he made the wrestling pretty much ineffective. So I didn't think Max Holloway fought bad. I just think the leg kicks maybe kind of slowed his movement down a little bit. Um, and, and I thought the, 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 the output, you know, wasn't necessarily always there. And, and he certainly didn't, uh, you know, didn't really hurt Alexander Volkanovsky. So to me, this was a good fight. It was a tactical fight. But, you know, we started out talking about how, how this, this night may have kind of worn on to some people. I get it. If you... You know, if you again, the tension here meant a lot to me. I, I, watching Alexander Volkanovsky's rise has been incredible. You know, undefeated in the UFC, uh, man. You know, you look at the run that he's now on. I mean, in a row consecutively, picking up wins over Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, and Max Holloway. I mean, 
and hell, if you want to add Darren Elkins into that run, I mean, he's 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 beat more than that. But you know, again, once you reach that elite tier, um, and and I get it, perhaps all you know Aldo's on the downswing, perhaps Mendez was on the downswing. You know, he certainly you know he retired uh, after that. Um, but that's that's an impressive resume right there to pick up those three consecutively. Uh, so I have no issue with Alexander Volkanovsky being the UFC featherweight champion. I thought he did what he had to do here. And, uh, you know, I, I I like the idea of a rematch. You know, I asked Dana White about it, and he brought it up all, you know, right away. He said, yep, I like the idea of a rematch. Let's uh, let's do it, you know. Um, and, of course, he always says, look, we're not matchmaking right after. Things happen. Of course, injuries happen. So don't consider that a booking or anything like that. But, uh, again, injuries happen, schedules happen, whatever. Things happen. Maybe Max Holloway moves to lightweight. You know, there's a possibility of that. Um, he didn't rule that possibility out either. You know, he's, of course, that last fight didn't go his way when he moved up to 155 pounds, but it's, it's not as if he wasn't competitive. Um, and he is getting older and, and, and guys get bigger and that sort of thing. But uh, the idea of a rematch down in Australia, don't think it would be an Etihad Stadium type show, but, you know, going to, uh, what is it, Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne. Uh, was it, is it Acer Arena still in uh in, in Sydney, you know, one of those, I mean, uh, maybe even go to, uh, you know, one of the other cities out there. I mean, I would think one of the two big key cities would, would be the one that would host it, you know, championship fight, but you never know. But doing it down there would be pretty cool. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I think Max Holloway deserves some respect for his run and, uh, you know, deserves that opportunity for a rematch if it's what he wants. Um, but, uh, done doubting Alexander Volkanovsky. Hopefully, uh, I, I did end up picking him, man. I, I, uh, it's funny. I, I was going to pick him going in, and that's no slight to Max Holloway, but I've just been so impressed by Alexander Volkanovsky. And then I, I turned my staff picks in for MMA Junkie, which, by the way, five and zero this week. I'll just pat myself slightly on the back for that. Uh, but I turned my pick into MMA Junkie, and I'd accidentally just—I was in a rush, and I copied and pasted uh, wrong. And actually turned my pick in as Max Holloway, and I was like, well, "Damn it, I meant to pick Volkanovski, but maybe that's a sign there. Maybe, maybe that's fate trying to step in for me." Uh, but at the last minute, I did say, "No, no, no. The idea was Volkanovski. Give me, give me Volkanovski." So uh, went with uh, with Alexander Volkanovski, uh, and he did get the win. So um, yeah, I just just well executed, and I get it. I, I could see people not necessarily being thrilled by this fight. To me, it was tactical. It was tense. Um, and, and now we got to see what's next. Again, I do think that the rematch is right. Uh, I'm sure Brian Ortega is probably pretty excited about this development. Uh, that opens up an opportunity for him to get in the mix. Of course, Zabit Magomasharipov is, is there as well, um, right in the mix behind them. Um, you know, if you look at the MMA Junkie rankings, we still have Jose Aldo at Featherweight. We were just waiting for the Bantamweight fight to happen. Uh, that'll be a, a discussion I have with George Garcia. I think we move Aldo to Bantamweight. Um, you know, he fought there, and, and he says, I want to make a title run at Bantamweight. Um, so sometimes we'll have a wait-and-see approach with guys to see if it's a one-off. Um, but, you know, Jose Aldo, even though he came up short, which we'll talk about momentarily, um, I, I think he's staying at Bantamweight. So he's exiting the division. Um, we saw Frankie Edgar at Featherweight as well. Again, we wait on that Bantamweight clash to happen. Uh, he's got <laughs> He's got two... Two fights scheduled on the horizon, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, but to me, you know, Brian Ortega and, and, and Zabit Magomedsharipov both very very relevant in the featherweight rankings. But I think we end up going with a rematch first. That would just be right to me. That would be the respect I think that Max Holloway earned uh, through his title run. But uh, listen, we did get a chance to speak briefly with Alexander Volkanovsky. I'll share uh, my couple of questions with him at uh, at the post fight press conference with the new champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Alex, congratulations on your victory. Of course, you've been saying from the beginning you belonged here. This was going to happen. You, you've talked about it. But give me an idea as, as, as the fight is unfolding and you're putting rounds in the bank and, and things are playing out. Can you tell me kind of mentally what's going through your mind? Is there this realization like this is going to happen? Man, it was, it was, a, it was a tough one for me. Again, I, I stay so composed in there. I've got a job to do, right? When I'm in there, and that, I've always said that, I keep myself so level-headed and composed. So going through, I was just taking every round and talking to them. I'm going, how's it going? They're going, it's going good, it's going good. So, uh, you know, I thought it was reasonably close. Obviously, I thought I was winning, but I didn't know. But my corner were done a really good job of letting me know that and not getting caught up into his game. And uh, as the round's gone, they're telling me to keep doing what I'm doing. So I've got full faith in them. Uh, game plan was working well. My shins are a little sore, but, you know, the game plan went well. So it was good. Again, uh, 
I was saying, like, you know, we're both very high level. You know, it was a chess match in there. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I got the job done. Clear the leg kicks did play a huge part in it tonight. I mean, can you mention, I mean, was that a, was that a primary focal point of the game plan or did it just turn out that it was effective and you, and you kind of leaned heavy on it? Oh, it was always going to be a part of it, always going to be a part of the, the game plan. But, I mean, there was other things that, that was happening there as well. So, But, again, as Dana just said, there might be a rematch, so I can't give it too much away, can I? But, I mean, uh, look, we the guy, you know, obviously my co- coaches and that done a good job of uh, we don't, you know, they done research not only of things that work well against him, things that he done really well. A lot of people keep asking me about, oh yeah, with Poirier, he done this. You know, these are things that you've seen him do that you could use. I'm like, yeah, we've seen stuff, but we're seeing things that Max when Max win winning, we seen why he's winning. What well, things that work really good for him. You know, when we look that deep, and uh, yeah, like I said, we we think we've we've got a formula, and I've got that style as well. So when he really wanted to pour it on. I was just getting out of range or I'd let him run into some of my shots and then obviously them leg kicks were there and that gas tank, I've got the gas tank. We were sitting there talking in there. I was like, hey, we're both fresh. We're both fresh in there, like, you know what I mean? So, uh, again, there's a couple of little uh, mental and physical uh, games in there, but, I mean, it was, yeah, it was good fun, you know what I mean? Uh, I got it done. Yeah. We got it done. You said you weren't sure what the score was. Eugene was. He was yelling at the judges, they better not mess it up, they better not mess it up. So can you tell me what was going through your head as you're waiting and, and, and you finally get your hand raised, you accomplish what you've been chasing for a long time? What, what was that time like? Yeah, it was, again, I, I, got, I got all my trust in, in my corner and they're telling me, going, look, you know, you've got Eugene saying it's a whitewash. I've got my head coach, Joe Lopez, telling me you got this. You know, Brad Riddell telling me you got this. I'm like, all right, we got this. Let's, but again, I, I still thought I won the fight, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm my hardest critic. That's the thing, you know what I mean? If I get punched in the face, I'm like, you know what I mean? I don't like it, you know what I mean? I, I look at it as, oh, damn, you got me, you know what I mean? If you look at a lot of my fights, I don't get touched much. So um, my face, you can see I got touched a little bit here, but I mean, hey, it was again, he's a, he's a great champion. You know, obviously it was never going to be an easy fight, but I said I was the guy to do it. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not cocky, but I'm confident and I got a job done. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of doubters there. I think that there was a, I ended up looking at a, a pro's picks. Not one of them picked me. Not one. But I use that as motivation. I love it. They'll pick me next time. Uh, so the last thing for me, you touched on it. Dana mentioned uh, the rematch. And he seemed to say, not that it's a certainty, but he said it just made a lot of sense. And I think with what Max has accomplished, it probably does. I mean, do you agree? Do you feel like you should, you should have to beat him again? Or do you feel like there's, there's other things on the table that might make sense? I think he deserves it. Like, do I have to beat him to prove that I'm a better fighter? I think, like, we had five rounds to do it, and I'm pretty sure I won it pretty clearly. Um, but anyway, if, if people if people are still going to doubt, you know, they're still going to. But, uh, again, I'll be ready for it, and he does deserve it. And, uh, you know, that'll make for a big fight. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Of course I'm down. Again, I'm the, I'm the guy to do that, and uh, I'll be uh, better prepared the next time. You know, I, I know what we know what works. We're going to get an even better formula. So, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, he might think he will, he will get me figured out again, but I'm just too powerful, man. Like, uh, they go one way, I go another. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, uh, I'm so well-rounded. I go, man, I could just go anywhere with it. If he was really fixing me up on the feet and I had to grind it, like, you know, look for takedowns, I could always go there. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's the thing. I've got, I've got so many ways to go. Um, even striking, there's so many ways to go. So I, I proved that. Again, he's good with his range. It was like, how's he going to handle the range? It's like, that's how. Alex, right in front of you here. Just one question: what, At your biggest, what did you weigh? Like, what were you at your most? Yeah, I'll make that clear. Two hundred and fourteen pounds. I remember because I've done the math. Uh, I was ninety-seven kilograms, and I've done the maths. about two hundred and fourteen pounds. So I remember, I remember yeah, going at doctors. I looked at that, and I was like, oh damn. So uh, that was probably one of the heaviest that, that I was. So two hundred fifteen. That's uh, pretty big. But I fought my first like four uh, amateur fights, and that at middleweight. Uh, then my first like three or four a professional at welterweight and then work my way down so i had my first loss at uh welterweight a long time ago and that that opened my eyes and made me realize all right stop fighting these big boys but i reckon i'm ready to move up again anyway <laughs> nah i mean you're being an elite athlete i'm sure you don't have a lot of body fat at that point so how actually were you able to pull that off to get that weight off to be still as athletic as you became you know dropping that much muscle i'm sure you had to drop muscle out of there oh there was a uh, there was some fat there i'll be honest <laughs> there was definitely i was uh, yeah again like it was a uh, i wasn't at the highest level in play like nrl but uh, you know it was, it was professional still of rep sides and stuff like that but i was thick i was short and thick remember I'm five foot six so you could imagine my head was huge as I said, like my, my head was bigger than this bloody belt, I'm telling you. But um, again, 
I lost a lot of size again. I was, I was thick. I'm always thick, as you can see. I'm still thick, uh, but yeah, no, it just it come down slowly, slowly. Obviously, I lost a little bit of muscle, but I lost a lot of fat. Alex, we spoke on media day right over here in the center, and I asked you about the fact that online as well as media, people were talking about the length of Max and how that could present problems and how are you going to get by that. You were very passionate and insistent about that not being a problem, I remember, so much so that I said, man, I, I, I think I believe him, even though a lot of people weren't believing in you. Did that, Believe me now? I think I okay. do, yes. Did, did it present a problem at all? It looked like for yeah. the most part you were quite comfortable in there, but on a Asian, he was keeping you at a distance. Of, how did how did that work out? Of course, yeah, yeah. Obviously, he's really good at his distance. But um, again, like that, that's his game, right? So he's going to make me miss a little bit. You know, I was still making him miss. But I mean, at the same time, that's what I mean. Again, I can't give too much away. But you know, that, there was times where I started getting a little bit care, like careless, and then my corner had to pull me up a little bit, and then snap back to it. So again, there's things that he does really well, but we're aware of him. We're ready. So, uh, you know, if the rematch has to happen, again, he cuts a lot of weight. Does he want to Does he want to stay in this division? I don't know. Um, he probably wants to get that back. I don't blame him. You know, again, I've got nothing but respect for the guy. But, uh, I took, man, it's my time. It's, uh, the, the blessed era ends tonight uh, in the featherweight division. Um, he's a big boy. Yeah, but, I mean, again, if he, if he wants, to, wants to do it again, we could do it in Australia and Let's sell some seats and tickets yeah. and pay-per-views. Was there anything he did that surprised you tonight? Um, oh, I wouldn't say. Oh, he went to the body a little bit more than I thought he would. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, again, look, we knew like he was going to still look at that jab. We still knew he was going to just stay out of range and things like that. Again, I can't give too much away. But um, he done some things well. But, I mean, again, even though I'm missing, like, you know, these are still things that are calculated and I'm still aware of and, and stuff like that. So, again, I can't give too much away. But if I miss... I know I miss, and I can use that to my advantage for the next time, so uh, for the next punch. You got know what I mean? Uh, again, people look too much into to just the, the what's that? It's hard to explain. Again, I'm going too deep. But, I mean, hey, there's levels to this. We both had a little chess match in there. I come out on top, and I'm the champ. Last question. Would you really prefer that your next fight be a rematch, or is there someone else you might be interested in fighting? Man, I, I said I'll be a great champion just like the other guys. I'll fight whoever deserves it. And, like, let's be honest, Max is a great champion. He, he, he was a great champion, sorry. Um, you know, he was fighting all the guys. He gave me, again, my shot was earned, not given. But he gave it to me. You know, he could have been looking around and doing other stuff. But he was happy. He, you know, a lot of people, there were people saying that I was going to give him problems. He's like, bring it on. Good on him. He's a champion. I respect him for that. And I plan on doing the same. So the people that are next in line, let's do it. And he does deserve a rematch, I reckon. And he does, but right now I'm going to soak it up. Spencer, you know, I get a Christmas present, early Christmas present back to my family. Uh, you know, I'll go there, celebrate, you know, have a holiday with them, and let's we'll talk business. But wait, there's more. Two title fights, not enough. No, there were three title fights. Amanda Nunes did defend her women's bantamweight title over Jermaine Durandamy. Um, listen, I, I think we said it coming in. Jermaine Durandamy doesn't get enough credit for who she is as a fighter. Um, and I think she showed her toughness here. You know, I think she showed her skills. She had moments on the feet, and she said, look, Amanda will not stand with me, and for the most part, she was right. Amanda didn't want to stand with her, and rightfully so. <laughs> you know, Amanda said, listen, why would I stand with her? You know, she's, she's this legit kickboxer that's been doing it her entire life. You know, I started in grappling. I'm just learning to strike, and, and I think we forget that sometimes. Amanda Nunes has had these highlight reel knockouts, so we think of her as, as a knockout artist, and, and she is to a degree. She's super powerful, um, but, uh, you know, she started as a grappler, and, and uh, she used that to her advantage. She did find herself in some trouble on, on the ground uh, briefly, or at least what looked like uh, trouble with Jermaine Durandamy, the, the uh, triangle choke that turned into a, an arm bar and, it looked to me like, you know, there was some tension there, but Amanda says, nah, it was really, really not that bad. Of course, I guess it's about 50-50. Sometimes fighters go, yeah, it was pretty close, but it seems like for the most part, it's like, nah, I was never in any trouble. Like, were you? Were you not in any trouble at all? Uh, but uh, listen, another uh, big win for Amanda Nunes. I, again, I said I think she's fighting on a different level right now. It was never any disrespect to Jermaine Durandamy. I think Jermaine Durandamy deserves more respect than she gets. Handled herself with dignity and class. She's always such a fun person to be around. Big smile on her face. Uh, her and Amanda were cordial all week long. It was about a martial arts contest. And Amanda just proved herself the better fighter. You know, and I, I don't know if there's a, a ton to take out of it. I thought she fought a smart game plan. Stuck to the game plan, even though 
I'm sure you know she was frustrated a little bit. There were some some boos and uh, some a little bit of frustration because Jermaine, unfortunately, you know once she's on the ground, her kind of go-to while she did threaten with the submission, her go-to is kind of just hold and hope for a restart. And that is one thing that I am not a fan of. Like you've got to have some sweeps, you've got to have some escapes. Um, just holding tight and holding for a restart to me. Um, that's inadequate. It is. And so, uh, you know, if there's criticism to be lobbied of Jermaine Durand, I mean, that would be it to me. Uh, I'm just not a fan of anyone whose primary method of, of, of getting out of, uh, you know, a takedown is, is to hold on and wait for the ref to stand you up. So I would like to see some more movement from there. But on the feet, she's super dangerous, and that's why Amanda didn't want to spend spend any time there. But um, Amanda operating on a different level right now. She's got a, a phenomenal win streak put together. Um, now, here's the interesting part. What comes next? Now, it is funny because, <laughs> you know, she's got two belts, but she actually has two different belts, right? She's still got the old school belt because that's the women's featherweight title um, that, you know, I don't know that there's anybody really for her to to defend it against right now, right? I mean, there's nobody necessarily at 145 for her to fight. You know, you go to the MMA Junkie rankings. We, we of course, have Amanda Nunes at number one at both featherweight, Bantamweight and pound for pound. Um, Cyborg is number two. She's not gone to Bellator. Julia Budd, number three. Uh, she's uh, the Bellator champion, of course. Felicia Spencer is there, but she's coming off a loss. Um, Megan Anderson, you know, the longtime, uh, you know, choice, I think, for, to, to fight for the title. But she had that setback against Felicia Spencer. Now, she came back and got a win o- over Zara Farron. But I don't know if one win is, is enough for her to get in there. So, um, and then a lot of the next, you know, top-ranked 145ers are, are, are all in, in Bellator. So it's funny because uh, I think Amanda Nunes might be carrying around that second uh, old-school title for, for quite some time. Now, at 135, um, there's more talent for sure. But uh, now, especially, it's a little bit confusing. Ketlin Vieira was kind of known as the the de facto number one contender. She was kind of waiting and biding her time. She had some injuries. She comes back from the injuries, and she loses uh, to Irina Aldana in, I mean, emphatic fashion. Now, I thought Vieira was, was starting out well. Um, and I guess we could just go ahead and jump to this because it does make some sense. This was uh, on the prelims. But, you know, I thought Kellen Vieira was fighting well. But Irene Aldana, I, you know, we talked about her going. I think she's really been putting things together. Um, and she showed it here, man. And she had the big knockout and, uh, you know, dramatic scene afterwards, man. Kellen Vieira, was, once once she came to, I mean, she was in absolute tears. Uh, I mean, hard for her to be in that position, to lose her undefeated records, you know, to be knocking on the doorstep of a title shot and to have that taken away and to have it taken away in in uh, in, in dramatic fashion like that. Yeah, man, rough. Um, but Irina Aldana, I think she's too far down the list right now. Now, stylistically, you know, a boxer, uh, you know, but, again, I, you know, she works hard. She's trying to get better, the defensive wrestling, that sort of thing. I, may, I think she may have some of the same problems. Uh, that Jermaine Durandamy did against Amanda Nunes is sure to get that opportunity. But she's definitely working towards it. But I think she's a little too far down the list right now. So, you know, you've got Aspen Ladd in there who has come back since the loss. Um, you know, Juliana Pena is now a name that's back in the mix. I mean, there are a couple names, but there's none that just jump out at you. So so people started looking at other options. And, and again, you know, this, these, these, uh, these boxing crossover fights aren't always – the the most entertaining. I mean, sometimes it's just exhausting. Like, oh come on, man. Like Mazuda, I love you, but Canelo is not gonna fight you. You know, I mean, just stuff like that. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's exhausting. I know I, from our MMA junkie staff, I can tell you that people get pretty pretty worn out with it. Um, but this one, I think, you know, Amanda Nunes doesn't have a lot of uh, you know immediately available sensible fights, and so you know, there's this conversation coming up with Clarissa Shields, uh, the two-time Olympic champion boxer who, by the way, is heavier than Amanda Nunes and has never fought, I want to say, within like uh, what 157, I think, is the lowest that she's ever fought. I was talking to Kevin Ioli a little bit last night. Of course, Kevin Ioli, an expert in the boxing field as well, so I was gleaning his uh, his knowledge and his thoughts on it. And uh, listen, uh, brought it up briefly. I mean, it does seem like something that USC President Dana White is interested in, uh, but it does not even a little bit sound like something Amanda Nunes is interested in. So uh, here's what she had to say about uh, the, the, the night 
at the post-fight press conference as well as her thoughts on Clarissa Shields. Here we go, yeah. once again. Like and still. <laughs> well, Amanda, you didn't get the big finish tonight, you know, that you've become known for, but it was a very, very impressive victory for you, very dominant. Um, give, give us your thoughts right now on, on how you performed tonight. It was awesome. Every time that I fight five rounds, I get better the next fight, you know? That was the strategy, was take her down. I know she's dangerous. She's doing this forever, you know? She's striking forever. I just learned striking. I'm a grappler, and I did what I was supposed to do tonight. Is it difficult for you to remain like in that focus and stick to the game plan? Because you do have these highlight reel finishes. Is there a part of you that wants to go in there and just throw down with her and see what happens? Honestly, this fight, I want to... I want to just fight to go for five rounds. That was the that was the strategy. Take her down and dominate her five rounds. It was exactly what I did. Yeah. The the only real tense moment we thought was was the triangle to the arm bar when she rolled over. Can you just give it? Let us know. I guess how tight was either the choke or the yeah. arm? No, that one was tight at all. She had uh, big legs and she always be able to put it behind. But uh, I I I know soon I roll. I would get out. And going five hard rounds like that, I know it makes it tough to turn around, but you said you want to defend this belt right after. So right now, before you know, you know how your health is and everything, what sounds good to you is when to fight again? I don't know. But we're going we're gonna to relax a little bit, you know, fix this booty and <laughs> come back soon. All right, last thing for me, Amanda, I couldn't help but notice Clarissa Shields was walking around here this week. She was at the weigh-ins. She was here tonight. Uh, she seems to think that a series of boxing and MMA with you. She saw tonight. I think she's not gonna want anything to do with this. No. What about you? Is it something you want? She, if she wanna see me, come to my ward. I'm gonna be here. I'm an MMA fighter. She wanna see me? I'm gonna wrestle the shit out of you and finish you with a uh, jiu-jitsu submission. I wanna see how how she's gonna feel that. All right. So three championship fights. Again, uh, did make for kind of a lengthy evening, but uh, some, certainly some meaning in all of those. And uh, we'll see what happens next in those divisions. All right, uh, Marlon Marais picked up a split decision win over Jose Aldo. And I have to say, first and foremost, I guess, let me just say, I, I think I was wrong about Jose Aldo. I mean, I, you know, we didn't try to play doctor ahead of time or, or pretend that we knew anything more than anybody else. You know, we said, look, we, we can't even see the guy, uh, you know, at media day other than he's got this hoodie on, but his face just looks incredibly sunk in. And then he comes to the official weigh-ins and he actually had a little pep in his step. And then, um, you know, ceremonial, same thing. And I got to say, the guy looked good. The guy looked really good at Bantamweight, uh, you know, moved well. I thought, uh, you know, f fatigue wasn't an issue late in the fight. Seemed to still be having the same pace. Power was there. Um, I thought Jose Aldo, you know, looked looked better than I thought he would. Now, I'm not is this, you know, killer Jose Aldo of prime, you know, WEC, you know, horror show? No, it's not. But it's still a very capable Jose Aldo. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I thought he won this fight over Marlon Marias. Uh I thought Marlon, uh, to me, at times, was a little bit too tentative. Um, and, and I think, you know, probably that had to do a lot with the respect that he had for Aldo coming in as well as the respect that Aldo uh, earned along the way. Uh, but, you know, Marlon did take home the split decision win. Um, and, I, and and one benefit, I guess, of, of doing this uh, the next morning instead of doing it immediately after, uh, like we normally do when we knock out a and-a-half episode, uh, <laughs> was I got a chance to go back and actually watch that third round. And... I'll be honest, I, at the time, I didn't think it was a robbery, and I still don't think it was a robbery. But I, I think in watching that third round a second time, I think I still believe that Jose Aldo won that round. It's close, so I'll I'll concede that, but I, I would have conceded that to you at the time as well. You know, we're not – that's just what happens when the output of a round, you know, is – you're picking by a punch or two here or there – it's going to be close, and I hate the term robbery. Um, but I did think that, that Jose Aldo won this fight. And so I guess because of that, you know, he deserves some respect in what he wants to do next um, at, at, at the Bantamweight division. 
um, he was incredibly emotional leaving. Um, classy in the cage, but you could tell he was fighting back the emotions a little bit. Uh, he lost it on the way back to the to the to the locker room, and he covered his face uh, with his T-shirt. Uh, and pulling up again, that trusty resource, uh, MMADecisions.com. Uh, it looks like it's split right down the middle. 29-28 Marais, 29-28 Aldo. It looks like, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 cards for Marais. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, yeah, 9 cards for Aldo. It is split right down the middle from the 18 cards that they tracked. So, um, you know, I guess unfortunate, uh, close, and, and uh, I don't have a problem necessarily with the decision, even though I saw it the other way. Um, now, what I do have a problem with, and I'll just – candid about this is that Dana White afterwards said you know Cejudo reached out to him and said I think Jose Aldo won that fight I want to fight him um I I I do get it from Cejudo's perspective he knows he doesn't have a ton of time in the sport um he's trying to take out the biggest names possible create the biggest legacy for himself and I understand that uh and but to me I don't understand how you can overlook Peter Yan. I just, I don't think that's, I understand Jose Aldo has all these accolades, former WC champ, former UFC champ. Of course, all that was contested in another division. I get it. You you know, you, you owe, you know, certain people kind of earn the, the right to be granted things. I mean, people, I think, sometimes get frustrated at the way Uriah Faber is handled, at the way Frankie Edgar is handled. I get that. Um, but these are people that have, you know, given their entire lives to the organization and sometimes they get a little bit more slack on, on decisions like this. But to me, Peter Yan's win over Uriah Faber should have cinched that number one contendership for him. And I get it. He doesn't have a huge following. Um, he doesn't speak English very well, although he did take the time to get on the mic and, and call call uh, the Suhudo triple clown. All right, good for him, man. He's trying, right? Uh, you know, I'm sure... Uh, our, our good buddy, his manager, Danny Rubenstein, probably had some uh, help, you know, come, come, giving the guy some strategy. But, hey, man, when you're teaching somebody to say something in a second language, you know, they, they need a little outside influence. No problem for me. But that performance to me should have should have sensed the number one contender spot for him. And I, I don't blame Cejudo for, for, for shooting for the biggest name possible. And, of course, the UFC, they're going to do what generates the most money. So I understand why Dana said he was open to it. But it just doesn't make sense to me. Peter Yan, to me, is the number one contender he deserves. And listen, Aljamain Sterling's not too far behind. Aljamain Sterling deserves a lot of love too. He's just he's just been on the on the on the sidelines for a little bit. So I think he lost a little bit of momentum. Meanwhile, you know, Jan has been shooting up the ranks, um staying busy, fighting frequently, um, and fighting bigger and bigger names. And and to me, um I, I, I just I think this was deserving. I mean the wins that he has are, are, you know, Jimmy Rivera and John Dotson before this. I mean, say what you will about Uriah Faber, but look, when he came back, uh, he made handy work of Ricky Simone. So I, I just, no disrespect to Aldo, no disrespect to Cejudo, but, I, man, to me, I, I, I get it. it was a close split decision, but for a champ to, to, to reach out and, and fight somebody coming off a loss, I understand the motives. It's all about money and reputation, but to me, Peter Yan should should be the next challenger. Uh, Uriah Faber, meanwhile, Dana did kind of touch on you know potential retirement for him, and it wasn't disrespectful, but there is a point to be made there, and I think it's one that Uriah is going to have to have to discuss as well. I mean, Uriah Faber told us before the fight he came in because he wanted a shot at the title, not because he needs a paycheck, not because he he needs to make some money. I mean, he's he's got he's he's put money in the bank. The guy was always very intelligent in the way he handled his career financially. Um, and, and he still makes money off businesses that he's established. So from my understanding, he doesn't need to work. But, you know, he loves the competition. This is all he's done his entire life, and I get that. But when you lose to the top-ranked up-and-comers, you know, now you got to kind of start again. I mean, Uriah Faber can still beat a lot of people in this division, but if you're not chasing the belt, what are you doing? And I think Faber might even agree with that. So I have no problem if he wants to stick around and take a couple fights. Like I said, when he came back, you know, and I even asked him this week, you know, didn't you envision more of a, a victory tour type comeback? I mean, you know, you're fighting guys more your age. Instead, they're putting you against these young killers. And he said, hell no. I wanted to fight the young killers and prove it. You know what I mean? Like, I still want it. And that's awesome. That's the kind of guy Uriah Faber is. But if he wants to say, man, I, give me a, give me a couple more 
But give me some guys a little closer to my age. You know, maybe it's not towards the rankings. I have no problem with it whatsoever. But I think, as, as Dana mentioned, it's a conversation him and Uriah are going to have to have. You know, wh- what are you doing it for? If you don't need to be here and you know you're not chasing a belt, uh, what are you doing here? So that'll be a discussion we had. In the meantime, uh, I just – it's not like it's going to be the end of the world if it's Cejudo Aldo. I mean, cool, it's two big names. It'll, it'll – it, listen, it will absolutely draw more attention than Cejudo Peter Young. I will grant you that. So from a business perspective – it's not a bad idea. I just, I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. Give the guy a chance. Give Peter Yan a chance. He 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 made his way up the list. Uh, Jeff Neal picked up the the big win over Mike Perry. Man, Jeff Neal looked phenomenal here. Man, the Fortis MMA product continues to get better. Uh, you know, called out Mike Perry just because he knew it'd be a, a fun fight. He said. Then afterwards, he said, listen, I knew the strategy exactly. We knew he, he drops his hand a little bit when he loads up, so the kick was going to be there. It was, and then he finished it off with punches. 90 seconds for Jeff Neal. Uh, man, that guy is definitely a name to watch. And, of course, making my hometown of Dallas proud. Forrest MMA doing big things out there. Much respect. We mentioned Arena Aldana. Fantastic finish there. Omari Akhmadov. Uh, defeated Ian Heinish. Not the most exciting fight of all time, but Amari Akhmadov is just a, a tough out, man. It, re- it really is. Matt Brown got the knockout win over Ben Saunders. Uh, man, that's another one. Ben Saunders, it's, 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 it's a tough call for him too, man. That guy's been around the game forever. He's had some wars. I think if you're an old school fan, he has your, your respect. But his chin's not there, man. And 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 when he gets touched, man, it, it shows. And Matt Brown took advantage of that. And he wobbled him on the feet, and then he knocked him out on the ground. Um, I think it was uh, it was clear, uh, you know, and, and it has been that Ben Saunders doesn't have the chin anymore, man. But the the guy still is is a is a martial artist. He's as passionate about the sport as he ever has been. He's a fan of the sport. He loves it. He he moved out to Las Vegas to take advantage of the PI, uh, to work with the, the 10th Planet crew that's out here in Vegas. Um, and he's still chasing after it. So, you know, I'd, I'd hate to think this is the end for Ben Saunders. It wouldn't shock me, though. Uh, and, uh, man, you know, he did his best to work the rubber guard. He basically pulled guard in both rounds and, and couldn't get anything done off his back and then suffered the knockout loss. So, uh, it's going to be a, a tough next move for Ben Saunders for sure. Meanwhile, Matt Brown... Uh, man, who doesn't like watching Matt Brown fight? And, and here he is, the comeback after two years away. Chase Hooper, man, the big TKO win. Uh, the 20-year-old, uh, I believe the nickname has been changed from the teenage dream to just the dream. Uh, but Chase Hooper is phenomenal, man. The, the, the kid is 20. He looks like he's 12. Uh, he's got just nasty submissions. Couldn't get any submissions, but was able to get you know a mounted triangle and then uh, just unleashed with elbows and punches. Cut open Daniel Tamer, got the win there. Chase Hooper scares me a little bit. Uh, he gets tagged every single time he fights. If you've watched him um, during his run through his developmental deal, he gets hit hard every single time he fights. Um, but he's gritty. He shows toughness. He finds a way to, to win. Um, and he's got this just next-level grappling capability. So he's definitely somebody to watch. He's fun. Um, you know, afterwards, he said he was going to the M&M factory to get some customized M&Ms. Uh, I mean, how do you not love that? And how do you not love um, uh, Ben Askren taking to social media and saying, good job, son? Uh, you know, and then I, I didn't see the original, but I saw somebody put it in our chat. I think Chase Hooper hit him back and was like, you know, thanks, Dad. Like, we're, we're, you know, I said I didn't like wrestling. I never saw you again. Where have you been? So, I mean, good banter between those two. Uh, but Chase Hooper's fun, man. He's, he's, he's somebody to watch. We've been talking about him since he was on the Contender Series. We've watched his developmental deal fights. He's somebody to watch. It just scares me because he gets hit every single time. He finds a way to win, but he gets hit every single time. That's tough. Uh, you don't want to do that for long at the UFC level, especially. Brandon Moreno. My God, how good did Brandon Moreno look defeating Kai Car France? Both these guys, phenomenal fight here. Really, really was a phenomenal fight. Early fight of the night contender for sure. Kai Car France will still have a future in this flyweight division, but Brandon Moreno, my God, did he look good, man. Just just relentless, aggressive. I mean, he is, uh, he is so fun to talk to, and he's so fun to watch fight now as well. So, Brandon Moreno, you know, outside of the UFC for a while and has come back with an absolute vengeance. Uh, Jessica I, the decision win over Vivian Arujo. Uh, fought well, you know, seemed to gain confidence, gain steam as she went along. 
but it has to be said. I mean, I don't want to harp on it or, or, or you know beat her up over it. But five pounds, man, that's a big, big miss. That is a big, big miss. Uh, and so it sucks because you know I thought Viviana Ruzzo had had a real chance of being kind of a newcomer of the year type of uh, fighter coming in. I mean, she had a, she she came in with a big KO. Already picked up one win over a ranked fighter. This would have been her second one. Uh, didn't work out for her. Uh, but man, you know the, the the weight missed by Just Guy five pounds. That, that's a huge asterisk next to that. So I don't I don't want to uh, take away from her performance here. But you have to be honest. That's that's not good. And then of course Puna Soriano, just a vicious knockout. Um, in my in my rookie report, you know I did say listen, there are a couple things that I would like to see different out of him. Uh, you know, he put himself in trouble. He hurt Oscar early, uh, and then he went down to the ground, which I think is the one place he probably didn't want to be. Um, so I think he was rushing a little bit there, and I think, you know, tactically moving forward, he'll want to be a little bit more patient. Uh, he did seem, not, not to gasp, but I think the, the adrenaline dump got to him. I think that's understandable in a long-awaited UFC debut, a much-anticipated UFC debut. Uh, but th- those are some things I would want to change moving forward, you know, just a little bit more patient. Don't rush things, um, so, you know, and, and hopefully that'll address that cardio as well. So, good card. Like I said, I, if you watch this thing start to finish, I think you really enjoyed it. If you only watch the main card, I could see you thinking maybe, yeah, it was okay. Uh, but of course, man, the the stakes that were on the line uh, in those three championship fights and then the two kind of legends fights as well, uh, I think made it intriguing. Even if it wasn't, even if those five fights weren't the greatest fights you've ever seen. So, that'll wrap it up. I am staying home this week, but I will be on uh, Busan, South Korea duty. So uh, the uh, Matt Erickson is making the trip out to Honolulu, Hawaii. So we'll have coverage on the ground out there from the two Bellator events. He'll be handling that. Uh, I will be waking up super early on Saturday morning to help. Uh, it'll be myself. It'll be Simon Head, who uh, travels back to the U.K. tonight. Uh, and Farah Hanoun as well. She's uh, over in Egypt. She'll be helping me out. So it'll be the three of us on South Korea duty. So we will have live coverage on, on the site, uh, although uh, we, we will be doing it from home. But we will have that card covered live if you're interested in that. And then, of course, uh, Matt Erickson will be in Honolulu all week long. So he'll be uh, covering that. I actually did find out the week after. I thought I was home for the rest of the year. Um, I did find out. We made a late call uh, that we're going to go to cover Bell Tour 237. So I am leaving on Christmas Day. Uh, to go cover Bellator 237 in Tokyo. I guess we had a couple extra bucks uh, in the budget at the end of the year, and uh, anybody that works for a big corporation knows how that goes. You don't spend it. You ain't getting it back. <laughs> so I'm going to make the trip out to Tokyo. Leaving on Christmas Day, uh, obviously my family's a little annoyed at me with that, but fortunately uh, for my wife, Christmas Eve is always the bigger day, so I'll have to make sure and do something special on Christmas Eve and then uh, – Sneak out the door on Christmas Day. But I will be back. Luckily, it's just a quick trip. I'm not staying uh, for the Ryzen show as well. I, I wouldn't have hated it, to be honest with you. That's It would be kind of fun. Uh, but uh, eh, being back home is, is not the worst thing ever either. So, anyway, that's what we got teed up in the next two weeks. Uh, sorry I'm a little bit late on this. Like I said, it was just just so exhausted last night. But uh, still wanted to get and talk about this big card. Hopefully, uh, it still made it to you in time to enjoy. And let me just say thanks for listening. We'll be right back.